Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio and show, can you believe it, 432 in our weekly series. Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement and the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We're raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country and our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups, developing research, publishing case studies, and shining a light on great practice. You can visit engageforsuccess.org to learn more and sign up for our weekly newsletters so you never miss out on any of our great free resources, events, and updates. I'm Andy Gorham, your host for today's show and the founder of BizJuicer, a consultancy that helps companies connect their purpose and proposition to their people, creating stickier, more successful businesses from the inside out. How do you think about your organization? Do you think it as a series of connected departments, parts and processes that are fueled by a human resource? Does it take on an almost mechanistic machine-like image in your brain? Or do you think of it as something that's altogether more organic and alive? Well, today I'm speaking with two very special guests in Paul Miller and Shimreet James from Digital Workplace Group. Paul is the CEO and founder and is an author and a technology and social entrepreneur. Shimreet is Digital Workplace's Director of Knowledge, responsible for publishing and curating knowledge for their clients. Together, they have co-authored the book, Nature of Work, The New Story of Work for a Living Age, to explore how the people within an organizational ecosystem can be nurtured to thrive by learning from nature's patterns. And they're with us here today to share some of their thoughts, insights, and advice on this fascinating topic. Welcome to the show, Paul and Shimri. Thank you so much, Andy. Andy. Lovely, Hi, lovely to have to you both here. Um, when I got the brief for this show, I was, I was intrigued. This is a very interesting perspective. And to have the way you think about an organization as a living, breathing organi- or, or, organism, that's going to cause me a problem all show, um, sounds really interesting. But before we start, Paul, perhaps can you just give us a little insight into digital workspace, uh, workplace and what you guys are concentrating on right now with clients? Yeah, um, Andy, we're, I suppose, unsurprisingly, focusing quite a lot around the whole return to office. Um, After two years of the pandemic, I'd say that the digital world of work is in a pretty good shape. It's kind of carried us all through um, an unbelievably testing time. But I would say that the physical world of working is a state of um, some confusion. So one of the things that we're finding is really um, uh, intriguing people is looking at the whole return to office through this nature of work living system lens. So I'd say that's one of the things that's uh, going on. The other one is, I would say, connecting into the front line. You know, we've had that term key workers, essential workers, but they were the least well served digitally um, during the pandemic. And I think that revealed it. So if you're essential, if you're a key worker, how come you've got the least uh, powerful technology 
capable technology. So I think a lot of organizations are, are looking to upgrade that now. Great stuff. And this is all, as you say, within this lens of looking at organizations from a very different perspective. And I love this, this link to nature. But Shimri, what was the inspiration for the book and this different take on what an organization is or is perceived as? Such a good question, and it gives me a little thrill every time we're asked that question, <laughs> the origin story of the book. Um, and it, it really started with Paul. Paul lives in the Cotswolds. Um, he's got beautiful countryside surrounding his home, whereas I'm in North London on a main road with sirens. Um, but for Paul, he, on his daily walk in the forest, he found himself eventually asking this question of how is the organization different to a forest? And what is it about an organization that we can, if we look at it through the lens of nature and through the lens of the forest, how can we start to see it differently? And I know that for him, you know, Paul, you've written a couple of books before. They were focused on the idea of the digital workplace, the renaissance of the digital work. And you came to me with this question of, is the next phase of our story more technology? Is it hyper technology or actually can it be something else? And you and I started to really explore this idea of seeing the world of work through the lens of nature and got more and more excited and passionate, I think, about, okay, how do we understand purpose? How do we understand diversity? What does it mean to think about the roots of an organization in the same way as we think about the roots of a tree and of a forest as well? And the more we explored it through conversation, um, the more we realize just how differently it allows you to see not just the organization, but the people within it, the relationships, the importance of diversity, and also the, the connections that it has with the outside world. Um, and it just let us think about these things that we were starting to explore within DWG with our clients anyway, but it gave us a richer language and imagery with which to do it. Um, Paul, what drew you to it more than anything else, the idea of the organization of organism? Well, I think you've, you've, you've sort of expressed it. It was that, you know, all those uh, walks in Widley Cots. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, could you get any more paradoxical than tech and nature coming, coming together? I mean, it's not the first relationship you would think of, is it? Well, yeah, that's true. But then if you think about it, and, and, and maybe it's just the way we started to think about it, if you look at the way that technology has come into the world of work in the last 150 years, really, since you started to get phone calls, they, they've actually been energizers of a, uh, a system. So if you think about all of the technology inside the world of work already, intranets, collaboration systems, HR systems, etc. They, they all have connected people, built information flows, knowledge flows. So actually, when you start to see it like that, rather like the, uh, the rings of the trunk of a tree, then when you start to take the next step, which is to see the system itself, as fundamentally alive, a living system, as, as Shimrit said, more of an organism than an organization, then I, I think it, it sort of makes more, um, more sense. There's yeah, also... I mean... Oh, sorry. No, carry on, please. Go, go, go. I, yeah. 
I was going to say, just building on what Paula said as well, I think we often forget that humans are of nature and we aren't the only creatures to create tools. There are creatures all across the natural world that have created and learned how to use tools on their own and technology is nothing but another part of our tool set. I, I'm, I love this. My head's all over the place buzzing about this, this, this <laughs> new lens, this concept that you've given me today. Um, but I, I can't help but just sort of like hang back in the old world. So l- let me just cover off that to help me get my head around some of this to start with. I, I read that you'd said like for centuries, organizations have been treated like machines. So in the context of what you're talking about, what, what did you really mean by that? Uh, perhaps, Paul, if I could ask you that first. Well, I think if you... <laughs> The, the story of work in the last 250 years since the industrial age started uh, is really the story of, a, of, of the mechanization of work. So that culminated in production lines, factories, uh, supply chains, uh, distribution um, systems, and, and you know the Ford production line is probably the kind of iconic version of that. You see, and if you look at pictures back from the early 1900s, what you see is people working in really awful conditions where the machinery and the sound is very much that of a machine, uh, but the human beings are really uh, small kind of widgets in that system. Um, So I, I think that's kind of, we're so embedded in the idea of the machine, the top down organization, uh, the command and control. Uh, and, and if you like this, this turning of people into parts in systems. Well, we use the term human resources, don't we? I mean, that, that says something mm. of it of its of its own. Um, I look. I, I want to dig into this inspiration stuff, uh, Shimri. I mean, you say that we can draw inspiration from nature to help us address some of the very real challenges that businesses are facing today. Can you, can you help us out? Can you give us some examples of, of what, what you mean um, by, by where we can see this inspiration? Yes, absolutely. So if I go back to one of the areas that Paul mentioned we're focused on at the moment, this idea of the return to office, and it has so much language around it at the moment, return to work, return to office, hybrid working. And I did some research last year yes last year looking at hybrid work um and actually the way that it's being spoken about is this idea of the office is still the center of power we need to get everybody back in we need to make sure we have bums on seats to make sure our costs are being a make sense of but actually if you flip it around and you use some of the ideas and inspiration from nature and you start to talk about where is our best habitat for working what is the purpose that we have for our work and where we are and how we're working? What are the root systems that we're using to help us connect with each other, regardless of where we are, whether that's in person or whether that's um, in, a, in a third location or at home? It completely flips the script to just we need to get everybody back into the office two days a week, three days a week, just so that we know that they're there to actually think into how we relate with space, how we relate with each other, how it impacts us. So if we ask, what is my best habitat today for the work that I need to do? Who do I need to connect with through the organization's root system and how? It completely changes it. It might be that actually the best place is for me in in an office because I need to collaborate. I need to build relationships with the people that I haven't seen. Uh, It might be that my best habitat today is me 
in my sofa, on my sofa in my living room because I've got deep work to do and I can't be distracted from it. And so that's just one example of the way in which we're seeing that that lens can really bring a completely different focus to something that so many organizations are, are struggling with today. And Paul, how are people reacting to this this different perspective? Uh, what are they saying to you when, when <laughs> you go and speak yeah. to them about this? Um, well, I think what's been intriguing about nature of work is is how quickly people seem to get the sense that you're not an organization you're an organism you're not a machine you're a living system you're not a forest you're a, a, a factory in fact um one of the things that Shimrit and I did last week was we were talking to about 70 uh, MBA students from Lancaster University, people in their sort of uh, 30s, early 40s, um, a, lot of, um, uh, a lot of people in business from India um, and, uh, and other countries. And people get this idea very, very quickly. And what they do is they move then into, so what does that mean? How do we bring this to life? Um, I certainly noticed when I was writing the book that I'd be talking to, I, I spent a lot of time writing it at a hotel near, it's called the Fish Hotel. And even just sort of talking to people working in the bar there, they'd say, well, so what are you writing? And I'd tell them, they'd kind of immediately, immediately get it. So I've been really surprised at um, that. And also, I think probably what also has happened this year in terms of reaction is that it's really um, lifted this whole return to office conversation for some quite large entities, um, kind of global institutions, um, uh, global companies who are thinking about a different vision. How do we use the fact that people are coming back into physical connection? How do we use this as a regeneration moment? So it's really been, um, it's really about how do we, people try and sort of use the word, you know, they struggle. How do we implement this? How do we embed this? How do we bring this to life inside our, our organization? Yeah, well, it's such a strong metaphor, isn't it? And, and timing is everything. And I think it blends very nicely with this, I guess, refocus on humanity at work that has been mm. uh, coming back leaps and bounds over the last couple of years right so i so i think that i think that link is it's it, well i guess using a nature term it's it's landing on fertile ground right now it's got a good <laughs> chance to grow <laughs> i would have thought when you well, talk not, about oh, so, so, sorry shimmy carry on you no please I'm carry on as well, it's it's not as if we came up with a brand new idea. This has like a, a rich history and in being inspired by nature. And so I think we we have come in at a time where, as you said, the soil is fertile for it to, to start to really take root and people to use it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And one thing I'm really interested in is that you mentioned that there are patterns in nature that we should follow, take notice of, act as a guide. And... What are some of those patterns? Uh, are there any key patterns? Are there any particularly interesting or timely patterns that we should be thinking about right now? Are there examples, Shimri, that you could you could share on that? So there's one that feels um, 
that you start to see everywhere once you become aware of it. And it's this idea of nature's adaptive cycle. And we talk about it within the context of regeneration and also life cycles for the organization. And if you think through the seasons, you've got spring, summer, autumn, winter, but each of those is taking place at different levels of nature and our own lives on so many different time frames, from the year to the month to daily. And when you start to apply that to the way that you see the organization and you see people within it, it completely it changes the idea of things like rest, the importance of rest. We know that there's huge amounts of burnout at the moment, for example, because people are constantly trying to work as if they're in a, a summer and spring phase where they can just be constantly productive. Whereas actually, if you start to apply that idea of the cycle, you can start to build in the idea of we need rest time, we need time to reflect, we need downtime, we need time where we can just be on our own reflecting. And we see organizations implementing that from just you know how they run a meeting to make sure they have all four phases within the space of a meeting. To areas such as DWG, we've started to implement the idea of a, a quiet week, which is like a winter week where all normal meetings are off the table. All our regular meetings are off the table. People have chance to do deep work, catch up on things. Um, so that's just one example. Paul, do you have some as well? Yeah, well, I think one that really seems to have resonated with people is the idea of roots. Mm. Um, I mean, if you look at um, a forest, um, the roots are invisible um, to your eye, but they are they're beneath the ground they're fundamental to the health of that system um, and roots seems to be something that's connected uh, with people uh, uh, Lucasfilm who have been very involved in the book um, uh, George Lucas's company 50 years mm. old and mm -hmm. they, they, they talked about roots as having two aspects to it for them one is the timeline of the company so they've had 50 years of creativity um, but also roots as the health of the roots of your organization, almost your culture, um, affects the health of your system. So I think that's something that's connected into people. The, also the idea of um, uh, habitat. So if you're starting to think about uh, where we work, getting back to that subject, which is the 2022 subject of, of work, I think, which is where do we work? Um, actually, when you start to think about it from habitat, rather than how many days in the office, how many days at home, et cetera, et cetera, you start to think, well, what's the right habitat for an individual or a team or a business unit or a company on any particular day, uh, any particular day, particular time? What might that feel like? And um, so those are a couple of couple of uh, areas that I think have, have really uh, come to life for people. And I guess diversity must be mm -hmm. a pretty key topic as well. I mean, even I've learned more about nature diversity listening to Mr. Attenborough and seeing a massive field of, I guess, almond trees and understanding that the fact that whilst this is marvellous for the production of almonds, it's terrible <laughs> For, for nature <laughs> as the I guess the reliance and biodiversity has kind of been eradicated and there's a message there right for business within a similar sort of take right yeah absolutely and biodiversity is one of the elements that we focus on because I think we all know that there is such a focus on diversity equity and inclusion at the moment 
for, mm. for good reasons, and many would say that's long overdue. And some are approaching it through a lens of we just need to be seen to be doing it, whereas others see it's actually a critical health factor of their organization. And if you start to use this idea of biodiversity in nature and how we know a healthy ecosystem is one that has biodiversity and an unhealthy one is that, that doesn't, and you then apply that to the idea of the organization, it completely removes the idea of it as a checkbox activity and shows if you have diversity of experience, of um, background, of, of cognitive diversity as well, all the different ways in which you can think about diversity, the organization is going to be healthier for it. And that doesn't mean it's kumbaya. It doesn't mean everybody necessarily always gets along all the time because real innovation and creativity thrives when there's disagreement. But it's the way in which you feel you belong and feel safe enough to express disagreement and then explore it together. Um, so again, yeah, using the idea of like, biodiversity from nature gives you that deeper lens through which to understand what it means for your organization. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'll get uh, naturalists telling me I know nothing, but I don't know <laughs> that nature really box ticks. I think everything has a purpose, yeah. uh, which must be to survive and thrive, right? And so that must be the backdrop um, of why this connection to nature, I, I guess, is timely and, and as, like I say, connects with people right now. It's really, really, really interesting. I guess it's given you an interesting take on other current phenomenon as well. So I think you've got an interesting take on the Great Resignation. Paul, Shimri, I don't know who would like to talk about this, but I think you've got an interesting take on it, right? Yeah, well, I think um, if you start to look at it through habitat or migration, which is another element in the book, um, the Great Resignation, as it's been called, which is the fact that lots of lots more people have been leaving organizations either changing to other organize other work or other types of work or actually changing their own lifestyle um, and this is carrying on and as somebody at um, a major uh, US uh, food producer told me last week the great resignation is real not only are lots of people leaving that company but the people that they go to to sort of fill the gaps, the contractors and the outsource uh, people are also losing people. So uh, if, if you then start to see it as a, a rebalancing or a re-migration, then actually you start, to find, you start to look at it through a lens of people finding their natural or the right habitat. So the other trend that I've seen apart from the great resignation is actually people, once you arrive, this was really something that stuck, struck me last year when we had a, a little festival on the book called Nature Work Festival, um, which was um, somebody from Microsoft who said, and she, I think she's in her sort of 30s, uh, and she said, I so feel at home in this particular organization at this particular time that I'm planning to spend the rest of my working life here. Why would I go anywhere else? And actually, I've started to see other instances of this. It's, it's, it's sort of the flip side of that whole thing of change your uh, work every few years, change your job every few years. I mean, I don't want to kind of big up DWG, Digital Workplace Group, too much, but we have such um, an enduring a group of people who stay with the company and new people come and because they have I think a positive experience in a diverse way 
of working for DWG, they, 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 you know, a lot of people never want to leave. So I think that's the, the flip side of the great resignation is, is to look at it through the, the lens of migration or, or habitat. And I guess that you just maybe think about things, I guess, coming back to what Shumri had said before, in that this cyclical nature of nature at work. I mean, when I started work, clearly not that many years ago, rubbish, um, <laughs> it, it was all about loyalty and you, and you stuck out and you, you stayed with the place. Um, maybe out of um, duty, rather than necessarily anything else. And yet in recent times it's been, well, I'll get what I want and I'll move on. <laughs> a sort of locust approach mm. to development. Whereas I think what you're saying now is, and actually on the back of the great resignation, people want and expect more and feel they deserve more. And actually if you find that home, if you find that nest, then, then why leave it? Um, really, really mm. interesting uh, thing. And, and look, at a time when there's a huge battle for talent, retaining, retaining your best people who really, really want to be there for, for the right reasons. That's a great thing to have, right? Absolutely great thing to have. There are other benefits to this, I am sure. Um, hmm. Shimri, what, 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 what do you see as the benefits of making this mental flip and, and treating organizations like living organisms? There are so many, and I'm sure I'm going to say one, and Paul feel free to add some more and another once I've shared mine. Um, I think one is that if there's anything that COVID-19 and the global pandemic has shown us and really kind of we've felt deeply is how interconnected we all are. And there's a tendency when you approach the organization as a machine to just see it as a closed system. You, you just have your boundaries, that's it. And you can get on and do whatever you want in your bubble. Whereas actually, if you see it as this living system with more porous boundaries, where you have those connections to your community, to your employees' families, to your vendors, your suppliers, to, to all the different elements to society globally, it becomes much easier to see that if you look at it through this living systems lens and to start to say, okay, what are the relationships that we have within the organization, across the organization? Is that a healthy relationship? Is it a toxic one? Is it parasitic? And to start to think through what does that mean? How can we leverage those relationships to start to, to collaborate in a more meaningful way and to really tackle some of the complex and wicked problems that we're all facing? And so I think thinking longer term, if you look into the future and if we start to think of ourselves as kind of good ancestors, looking at the organization and looking at work through this lens of a living system and being inspired by nature makes it easier to start to make some of those connections and those relationships. Uh, Paul, how about you? Do you have another, any others you want to see as a benefit? Yeah, I mean, I think the, just getting back to the MBA students from Lancaster University, I mean, there's quite a few entrepreneurs there. And, and what inspired me was that they were saying to us that they really want to create organizations in, in this manner because they see them as more sustainable, healthier, more adaptable, more agile. So in a way, I think what they were kind of saying is not only is this something that really energizes them but actually it makes really strong business sense if you want to create uh, an organization a company 
that's got real enduring and, and wide value. Well, I think the combination of purpose and engagement is about the most powerful that you can get within business. Um, and I, mm. I, I, I think that's brilliant. Uh, fantastic. Um, before I let you go this evening, are you able to give some advice to people who might be thinking about taking a different view of the organization? They're looking at you know, what's happened over the last couple of years and thinking about this lens that you've brought to party today. What's the piece of advice you've given? Perhaps I could ask you for one each. Um, Shimi, would you like to go first? Oh, I would say... I would say start to look at your organization through a lens of regeneration. Where can you see where there are maybe things that are maybe dying out and need to be let go of? And where can you see new things serving and emerging? And where can you harness the kind of energy that, that where that is so that you can start to regenerate the organization while also respectfully kind of hospicing the things that are, that are dying out? Love that. Paul, how about you? Um, I'd say uh, the first, the thing I would suggest people do is start to change your language. Start to use the language of purpose, regeneration, life cycle, uh, migration, habitat, um, biodiversity. And what you'll start to experience is it will change the lens that you see things through. So that would be my one piece of advice. Lovely. And where can people get hold of Nature of Work? Um, you can get it on Amazon. Um, you can get it on other um, book sites. And, or you can go to natureofwork.com. Brilliant. A website. We love that. Well, look, thank you for that. That's about all we have time for today. Don't forget to visit engagementsuccess.org to check out the show notes and all our fab free engagement resources where you can download or stream any of the great shows from our archive at your leisure. Thanks so much to both of you today for sharing your thoughts and insights and giving us a really different perspective on the world of work today. Thank you, We'll be back at the same time again next week. I'm Eddie Gorham, and thanks for listening to the Engage for Success radio show. Engage for Success radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.